The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by Twitch. Beyond and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. I made the bad mistake of eating a hot pepper right before the show started. That is a true fact. Lucy saw it happen. I watched it and didn't like didn't do anything. So now my mouth is not doing so great, but what I am is great otherwise because I'm on this show with my wonderful friends where we talk about PlayStation on IGN's weekly PlayStation show podcast Beyond. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Hello. Lucy O'Brien. Hello. And Max Scoville. What kind of pepper? That was a small yellow pepper. I thought it was I like really candy. I thought you were like, having a like lolly. Why, why, did, why did you have it? It came with my tacos, and I forgot to eat it when I had my tacos, so I just ate it now. But I quite enjoyed that you turned to me and said, I'm going to eat this pepper, and I was like, cool. <laughs> I like to announce my pepper <laughs> eating. Uh, before we begin talking about all the news or lack thereof in the world of PlayStation this week, uh, I did want to bring up, as you can see on this wonderful pedestal, if you're watching the video version of the show, uh, PlayStation was nice enough to send along to the IGN office a rose gold PS4 DualShock controller, they have those four new colors, purple, rose gold, another color, and camo red. Can we open uh, it? Yeah, open it. Go ahead, tear it open. Um, of the four new colors, camo red would not have been my choice, so I'm glad rose gold came along. Um, Lucy, you have you have a, a tough with rose gold. You're not a fan. Oh, I just Do you want like- a drum? It looks like calamine lotion on the bottom. <laughs> I just don't like. I I think it's because I was like getting um, an iPhone once, and the only color they had left was rose gold, and so I was stuck with it. And I was like, "That's not the color that I would have liked." And every day I had to look. I mean, I put a case on it, but I knew underneath that it was like betraying me with its color. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I do like. I do like the new colors. I think it's one of my favorites. Yeah, like this is this is quite nice. Why did would it kill them to make one that's just like one color throughout? I've never loved the two tone thing. It's just also like if one of the colors sucks, you know. It reminds me of Haribo gummy frogs. If like, they made, so if they made a Haribo gummy frog colored one, I'd be all over that. Yeah, that's actually they didn't. pretty great. They're yeah. green on the top, yeah. and then the bottom is like a delicious yeah. cream. Or gummy sharks. Oh, oh. yeah. yeah. It'd be great. Do you guys have candy lips, like little uh, lips? I've been told I have candy lips. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually a very easy integration. PlayStation, if you need marketing advice, uh, please reach out, and we'll be happy yeah, to help Yeah, we with demand that. you make more gummy controllers that look like the European frog candies that we so enjoy. And the lips. Uh, anyway, before we start talking more about our gummy lips uh, and everything else, I want to open the show, as I always do, with my classic PlayStation icebreaker. Uh, as you all know, I open the show every week with a random icebreaker question for all of you that you answer. This is a thing we do every week, and it's not totally a brand new thing I'm doing, but intended to do when I first started.
started taking over. I love traditions. Anyway. Mm. make me feel crazy because this has never happened. Anyway, my question it's called is. called gaslighting and you'll get used to it. Neil Armstrong comes to your house and says, I need you to go to the moon and fight the space pirates who have kidnapped the president. You can bring two team members with you and they must be PlayStation mascots. Who do you take with you? This is a loaded question for many reasons. Your That's president of choice. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with my president because she is not a president. She's my prime minister. I'll take that. Jacinda Ardern. And I probably would go to Mars to fight some aliens on her behalf. Who would I take? I would take Kratos. And I would take... um, I would take Crash Bandicoot for comic relief. Just to show like that to we're keep like, you entertained. yeah, okay. it, you know, because Kratos is very serious and you want some kind of like elevation mm-hmm. there to someone to lift the mood because sure. otherwise you go crazy if you had like two, you know. These people are going to the moon? Yes, you're going to the moon. Oh, I thought we were going to Mars. It's okay. I didn't want to correct you. Oh. Uh, you're going to the moon. Because I feel like Kratos would just, like break the ship on the way up there because he'd be like, what sort of dastardly technology <laughs> is this? And like bat, bat. <laughs> I think no. I think Kratos like saw a lot of crazy shit in God of War. Like I think that he took it all in a strike quite well. Thank you. Yeah, but that was all sort of grounded in the world he was used to. Yeah, but you know, I think he's he's got quite an open mind. Is what I'm saying. I think the craziest thing he saw in God of War was who who he really was inside. Oh, and who his son really was inside. Mm. Yeah, spoilers. And who really we really are inside. Well, first, I would the president I'd be rescuing would be William Howard Taft. He'd also be much, much lighter in the moon's gravity. Uh, <laughs> but I would bring with me Astrobot because he's helpful and Crash Bandicoot because I've always wanted to watch him suffocate in a vacuum. <laughs> Brian? What? Um, I think I would probably try to save Trump and then the people I would bring would be the worst people at that. <laughs> like, who? <laughs> I'm just trying to think, like, who would be... Um, like Dexter, maybe. I'm trying to think. Maybe, maybe, maybe like yeah. that onion cat. <laughs> oh, he's great. <laughs> he would be bad at it. Parappa. Um, Does it yeah. have to be a play? Oh, it's a shame. It's it has to be PlayStation. Mascots. We're on a PlayStation show. I know. Even you like you bring Cool Spot. Cool Spot would be <laughs> perfect to be terrible at saving a president. I didn't oh see. my god. What did you expect was going to happen there? Sound off in the comments below. Yeah, let us know who you would take to save the president on the moon from can the I PlayStation bring, Can I bring uh, Robert Bloodborne to the moon? Yeah, of course. Billy Bloodborne? Bob Born? <laughs> Billy Bunkus? It's <laughs> actually my Bloodborne Billy Bob Bloodborne. Uh, well, thank you all for playing along with that stupid question that I thought up on my walk to work today. Uh, Sorry I said the president's name on this show. It's fine. We'll move along and talk about <laughs> the news. It didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> what candy is that advertising? What? The, the news, it just feels like That's candy. Crunch. Crunch. Crunch uh, this week for news, there's not a lot to talk about in the world of PlayStation. I didn't want to get into all the various small like third-party game stuff that's been going on. I did want to keep a PlayStation focused this week. So I thought we'd kick it off with a question from Twitter, uh, beyond listener or viewer, at the Eric Koval asked, do you think PS5 will look like the leaked designs that made it look like a V? And so I want to talk about the fact that we talked a bit ago, you know, the PS5 dev kit has been out in the wild. It essentially, uh, the designs looked like a giant square 
console with a V top to it. It was shaped like the Roman numeral V for five. Um, there have been alleged leaked photos, none of it confirmed, of course, of a real in the wild model. Of course, 3D printing is pretty good these days, so it could just be someone doing an artist rendering 3D model of that. It could be a real one, we don't know. Um, but this model seemingly is out there, uh, and this seems to kind of be from anecdotal stories that we've seen, some reports that we've gotten. This actually does seem to be what the dev kit is supposed to look like. Uh, so my question to all of you is, would you want the PS5 to have a giant V for five on the top of the console? No, it looks stupid. But like, obviously, like, it's just, you know, that is such a dev kit dev kit, right? Like, uh, it, there's no way anyone would say, yeah. Yes to that. It looks like a, an iOmega zip disk drive. I'm torn because I think that uh, it's not necessarily that important how consoles look because ultimately you just stick them in your entertainment center for a few years. But I do think it helps when they're not hideous. Yeah, right? like, I, I mean... It's a, if it's just like a black box with like an angle or two on it, like we've seen the last few generations, cool. But if it's just like this straight up, that is an ugly ass. Like, <laughs> I just brought up the alleged rendering of it. It's yeah. yeah, it's super unattractive. It reminds me of when that boomerang controller was kind of floating around. Well, that was real. They showed that off. But that and was like what? I mean, no. Were. I mean, ugh, like you know, what would be a great system. Is that controller hooked up to the original Xbox? <laughs> just like just this big God. gaudy silver monstrosity. <sighs> Uh, no, there's no way it will look like that because no. people aren't insane. Yeah, I, I mean, I do want to talk about dev kits because they are a weird thing. Like people, obviously our audience and a lot of people who are invested in this console cycle care about dev kits. One, it matters what the specs are of them because that gives us a sense of what the new consoles will be. But the look of them is often not what the console is. There are exceptions. Brian, you had brought one up uh, before the show. Yeah, I mean, the Nintendo Switch dev kit is basically an all-black Nintendo Switch with black buttons and black Joy-Con, which is sort of interesting because it's different than the gray one that shipped at launch. Um, I believe there's, like, there's a lot of, like, very sort of, like, almost uh kind of jj abrams star wars ship design approaches to dev kits where it's just the thing you know but it has one slightly different color it's sort of like the the atats in rogue one where they just have like a an orange panel like there's the xbox dev kit that's just like white but it has like a green bar on it um same thing with the uh the playstation I want to say the PlayStation 4 ones were very similar. I know the Nintendo Wii ones were the same thing as well. They had just had basically just like a slightly, mm. just like a slightly different colored line the, on one of them. Wasn't the three? Didn't the 360 have like a big like chunky thing on top of it? Though I think so. Yeah, it's like a weird that hat. Familiar. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, often dev kits have a lot more ports in them to go on with. Like as people are testing things, there's a lot more accessibility for the devs that matters that once it goes to market you wouldn't really need mm -hmm. um, so there's often weird structural things that can change a lot uh but i, I did want to ask just the general question of like why do you think people become so invested in the dev kit cycle like why does that matter to people so much when it at the end of the day isn't the console we're likely going to get at least visually um i think we're in sort of inherently fascinated with the kind of tangible design that comes out of video games controllers and and hardware are some of the most popular things we cover at IGN when we're like, oh, this new special edition controller, like those videos and articles do really well. People just have this sort of fascination with how they look. I also think it's interesting because it, it's essentially stripping all of the, the entire form versus function debate that happens with pretty much all design philosophy uh, gets thrown out the window for dev kits because it is 
literally just function. <laughs> Form is completely thrown away as evidenced by if this is even remotely real, but looking at dev kits in the past. They're just uh, computer towers. Yeah. yeah. They're just, it just big, looks like a compact they're big boxes. or whatever. Yeah. We got um, Scott Lowe, who works at Naughty Dog now, worked for our tech channel when we first got stats on the Nintendo Wii U. And he built he built one based on stats, and it is this big, ugly-looking thing. <laughs> the actual Wii U wasn't that much more attractive. Again, just sort of very simplistic, uh, just rectangle with rounded edges approach. Yeah. But um, looking at what that looked like, and we have one in our, if you ever come visit IGN, we have we have it in our display cabinet with our trophies and stuff like that and the money hats we got from Next to the, the GameCube controller that yeah. ran built out of clay. Out of mem- love off memory, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just this big, ugly box, but it's like, yeah, hypothetically, that's the hardware of a Wii U. And so I think that like when giving uh, people and developers ahead of time the stats of, of what they're actually going to be working with with a final model, they, you know, they, they have a, a tendency to ship out these giant, ugly machines that are monstrosities, but they're sort of fascinating because it's sort of a beta test look at what the final consoles will look like on a consumer level. And ultimately, we do get something sleeker, hopefully. Oh, you would hope, yeah. It is really interesting to see what they look like before that because they're usually hideous. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm. And I think that's that's sort of the sort of cir- circus freak mentality of like, <laughs> but people, I want to look at this thing. Like the thing is, people are still um, very invested on the on the way their console looks. Like that is still every you know every E three where they bring out the console. You know, it's like ooh, even if it's more often than not just a box, yeah. right? But people still really want that thing to look sexy. Well, you mentioned the iPhone thing. Like, this year's model has these three big stupid circles on the back. And Mm. for me, I got over it in half a second. But some people were like, that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, well, it's mostly in your pocket or on a table. Um, But I think with consoles, it's like they want – people want them to look good. Like, I I can't – I can't – was there ever a time where, like, the ugliest console won? (laughs) Um. Like it's tough huh. to say, right? Because obviously design yeah. changes. I mean, if you yeah. like in retrospect, like something like the NES, we have nostalgia for it, but that is, it's just sort of just a gray box with a flap in the front. Kind of looks. Like Three sixty wasn't wasn't any looker. No, it, looked, it really it looked, wasn't. It looked cool when it first came out because I was it was wearing dicky shorts and chugging Mountain Dew at the time. But <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it <laughs> your kinda, faceplate. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. like things kind of changed. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think the faceplate thing was a really cool approach. That's cool. That yeah. Really. Yeah. That's a great controller too. Yep. Oh, it's such a yeah. great controller. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't know. It's it's. I think that uh, dev kits are cool in the same way that concept cars are, where it's like a thing you'll never get, but you're like, ooh, somebody designed that, and mm-hmm. it's like someone else is going to retool it and make it something that actually, like, the people like people who design do industrial design and be like, oh, this is here's a crazy idea. Like, that has to get filtered through like marketing research and like engineering and being like, this is completely impractical. We can't afford that. You know, it's like kind of yeah. gradually it's, it's fun in the same way that like seeing concept art for stuff is exciting. There was also a couple years where it was positioned by PlayStation, Nintendo and Microsoft to essentially stand your console up vertically. And I think that we all have limited space at home for how many vertical consoles we can actually have. I have like this really big, nice Ikea entertainment center that every few years I cycle consoles in and out of. Um, And the idea of having like four towers lined up next to my (laughs) 65 inch TV just seems crazy to me. Yeah. But like, that's the way the, the Wii looked better that way. Right. And the thing on a, on a vertical stand, which you can buy, they sold those at launch. Weren't they like Um, 60 bucks? Yeah. 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 They were like stupidly expensive. They always are for some odd reason. Yeah. It's just a piece of plastic. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like you want to buy this uh, this weird little triangle thing that's made of blue plastic? Here yep. you go. It's one hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, right. And I think putting your PS3 vertically made it look less like a George Foreman grill. Um, that was. But yeah, the, the PS4 big, is chunky console. Yeah. The PS4's design is purposefully like angled when it's horizontal and it mine happens to perfectly fit like right under my TV yep. with its stand, so it works out pretty nicely. I just wanna say um I know I'll probably catch some heat for this, but like I am still one of those people that gets the power button and the eject button on the PS4 mixed up. I still every single time I'm still like, <laughs> and it's just like is it I I just want that that is my like I've got no qualms with the PS4's design apart mm-hmm. from that I just want it to be for idiots. Well, like, design philosophy has become so flat and minimalistic that it's bordered on the obtuse. Like if you've ever been to a hotel and you can't find the remote and you want to turn a TV on and like I got a new I got a new like 4K 32 inch monitor for my computer at work. It doesn't have a power button. Like it straight up doesn't have a pow- it doesn't have an on off button. Yeah. And I don't know if there was a remote in the box that our IT guy threw away, but to turn it off, I just unplug it, and that's idiotic. <laughs> like we we've removed all of the sort of like usefulness of stuff mm-hmm. in an effort to make things so. I mean, phones don't have. I mean, they have like a little button on the side, but they open now from your thumb or your face. I, yeah, you know? like the Apple got bored of like one button on the front. Yep. Disgusting. Get Nothing. it out of there. <laughs> no buttons well, at all. Well, the thing you're not considering is that a lot of people with monitors that have buttons on them, they get sand caught in the, in the sure, button. That's true. And it really gets in the way of when you yeah. take your monitor. To we all work I, brought, I bring my PS4 Pro to the beach every weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was um, the... PS4 and the PS4 Pro uh, is interesting because they added essentially an additional layer to that design. And so, what's I'm in there? More, more power. Yeah. Gigabytes? Uh, yeah. 4K. Professionalism. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the 4K is in just there. just like a 4K upscaling emulator. Yeah, there isn't. There isn't <laughs> there is yeah, a it's 4K, the Tower of Power. There's no 4K video player in there, though. That's not in that tower. But the PS5 will have an extra layer. But it is interesting to think that if these consoles are being brought forth with the sort of ideology that they will be improved upon mid-generation, then maybe whatever we're seeing and we will see at launch will have to I I sort of imagine what they'll look like with an extra layer in Oh yeah, years. everything yeah. has an extra layer. Yeah, cuz yeah. I wonder Eventually. how that's going to go cuz if you look at if you look at the Xbox 1 and the 1X and you look at the the PS4 and the PS4 Pro, they're essentially just like kind of like half steps up mm-hmm. both in power and in design. And so I I'd be interested to see I mean, we could probably photoshop on day 1 the second we know what a PS4 or a PS5 looks like what a PS5 Pro would look like just based on what the Pro would look like <laughs> last time, which uh, is just an, an extra stupid layer. Yeah, it's, it's an extra Oreo. Mm-hmm. No, here's, a, here's a weird one. This is the first time we've gotten that little baby step iteration. Do you think we'll get a PS4 Pro Lite Mini? Sorry. Like when the PS5 is out and they want to still sell some PS4s, are they going to have like a Like the PS1 down? or something? Yeah, or like the way we've currently got, there's the original PS4 and then there's the PS4. For what slim? What do they call it? Like, uh, they they just phased little... it out. It's now just the oh, PS4. Really? Yeah. yeah, I don't okay. know if right. they're ever gonna go back to doing the sort of mini light models. Slim, slim. Yeah, I just I, don't know if. I mean, they always, but they always do that. You're there's talking always... about doing this though for yeah the PS4. Yeah. Like you know how there's the little one that looks like um like a piece of toast. I guess the the, the round one. Yeah, it looks like a big Apple TV. Oh. The base like the baseline PS4. You can't go out and get one of those weird like trapezoid. Parallelogram shape ones. So they, uh, pe- okay, right. People, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you want to go, buy, okay. You want to go spend, them? yeah. If you want to go one. spend two hundred bucks and get a brand new yeah. PS4, you just that's what you get. Right. Yeah. It's I now, just presumed everyone just bought 
the PS4 Pro. And yeah, because you're of, entitled. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's despicably true. I mean, it really, yeah, I miss, think... Misses, I had to buy the rose gold. <laughs> 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 I think it will depend on what their focus is as they launch next gen. Like, I, I genuinely don't know because this jump is such a weird one. Mm. If they're going to be like, let's try to straddle both gens for a little bit and see if we can support both PS4 Pro and PS5 at the same time. So, or if they're going to like jump ship. They're not going to drop the PS4 user base. Like a oh, I don't no, no, they no, will, but, but I mean like find ways to get them to PS5 as quickly as possible or I accept the that. fact that they just can't. Well, like I, I wonder what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so the, the thing is with backwards compatibility that it sort of muddle, you know, muddles the issue a little bit, but mm -hmm. I do think that the idea of having a consumer-ready entry-level PS4 two years or a year into the next gen is incredibly enticing for them, especially with like a greatest hits library. I saw a a leak from Black Friday saying that there's potential um, sales of up to $150 off of the current models of PS4. And that's huge. That is a huge price drop. Think about the average person who doesn't want to spend $500 on a console, yeah. but wants to get in. I mean, we've, we've talked about this for years on these shows, but like if you, if you buy stuff on day one, like we do, you're an idiot. Like yeah. the only thing you benefit from is that you're there for the conversation, but for everything else, like games improve over time, aside from like online games that lose their entire user base, but they get patched, they improve, they drop in price, they become, you know, more accessible. Uh, there's more guides out there, all the content, all that stuff like that. We're product testers. Yeah, basically. And more often than not, like the first round of that technology has like a Huge fatal flaws. flaw. Yep. I worked at EB Games during the Red Ring of Death uh, Xbox 360 period, and I tell you, it was depressing. <laughs> like it, like it was like one in five people brought it back. Yeah, no, my my brother and I did that thing where we like wrapped the uh, the Xbox 360 with like a towel, which is like. I don't know chemo. That's how you. That's how you calm it's down a, a cat during a month. thunderstorm. Yeah. yeah, and then it, it dies is. harder than ever. Jets. Because it was scared. Because of the horror games. <laughs> it's right. and also too much sand in the it's HDMI rough. ports. Yeah, I played too much Condemned. But um, honestly, if there was a Slim Pro introduced like this year, because yeah. looking back, it seems like Slims were introduced like a year before the next gen. Mm -hmm. I would strongly consider buying it because my pro sounds like a jet engine still. Oh, well, really? So, yeah. I think my, a smart way to circumvent that is like Xbox put out that. That sad, the Xbox One S all digital, digital or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you saw that, right? What the sad yeah, they, edition? They, made, they yeah. quietly like farted out a all digital console. Wait, so year. it just doesn't have an optical drive? No, it's called the Xbox One S all digital, aka sad. Sad. It doesn't yeah. have a drive. Does it have like a little thing in there? A like sad a, face? A, does it have like a, a disc slot? No. <laughs> when you open, no. When That's you turn great. it on, it goes. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if so I can find it. White, yeah, it's, it's just, just a white the, box. It's yeah. the like two tone, like the checkerboard or like the matted yep. that has. All I'm going to be so completely like, honest. I bought my girlfriend, my ex, one of those at the time. Yeah, um, but I do think there's room for something along those lines with the with the PS4. If you strip out a bunch of like major functions and and like sort of like uh, things that actually bells and whistles. There was that weird red Wii. I was just about to Canada. look at that. Canadian yeah. red Wii. That like, I have like, never heard of the red Wii. The red, it only came out in Canada. And it Are you guys? No, 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 seriously. No. It's, no. And it, uh, what, there it, it is. Didn't, yeah. This one. Did it like not? What, is it, what did it was not it red because it's Canadian? Is it, it, it was like a, a top 
opening right. sort of thing. I'm Their logic to, was like, this they, is, this they is for your... They stripped out all of the GameCube port stuff. Oh, yeah. That's a couple of other oh. things. But it had, it had a... It, it opened up like a like like a like an old DVD player. Yeah, like it had a big flap on top. I remember, like That's the, the trying to make sense of like the use case for this was like this is for people who like the Wii Mini. This yeah. is for people who want something for their winter home where there's didn't it not have the internet or something? Yeah, I don't. Think I'm it, looking don't right think now. That was it. That was it. Yeah, it had it's no a internet. Very very niche. It yeah. lacks. It, it lacks like, don't component you... S video RGB SCART output GameCube compatibility online connectivity the SD card slot and Wi-Fi support. Yeah, and has only one USB port. Yeah. So this what a this is live. this yeah. is for like Walter White in a cabin playing Mario Kart <laughs> for eight months with a beard, eating candy. He, he would have it's that like... crappy Rudolph the Red Nosed yeah. Reindeer game. He would not exactly. have Mario. So Kart. I don't. I don't think. I don't think any. Any modern company can go that hard in removing elements, but I do think that there is room for like a hundred fifty dollar PS4 that is sort of sort of removed yeah. of of some some of those functions. I mean, that's the yeah. thing that's is we've gotten tripped up because there have been sort of two iterations of the PS4 gen this generation or both consoles this generation. But like since the since the original Nintendo, this has been a thing. Yeah, mm. like they put out that weird little one that looked like a like a mouse. Yep, and mm. I don't know. I remember I remember going and looking at like. When the PS1 was in stores, being like, oh, whoa, there's a new Super Nintendo? That's weird. I yep. kind of want it. It's new looking. You there's know? also yep. like the kind of quieter refreshes, which is we just saw that with the Switch, which got an extended battery life and like a slightly different texture on the back. We saw that with the Vita, where they just sort of swapped in a different quality screen at one point in the in the system's life. And PS4 like, had that last year with, it was the, it started being introduced with the Red Dead 2 bundle, I think, yep. where it was a different power supply, which yep. is meant to be mm. uh, less power consuming and quieter. But. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's really awesome. Like yeah. it, those little things just sort of happen. It again sucks for early adopters. Yeah. PSVR, same thing happened. They did the HDMI or the HDR pasty yeah. thing super easily for people, and I have one of those, and I'm just like, <sighs> whether whether those leaks uh, turn out to be true or not for Black Friday, though, I think if you haven't bought a PS4 and you want a great year of games, probably wait till this holiday to buy a PS4. Yeah. It'll God, I'm so jealous of anybody who doesn't already have a PS4. Yeah, to jump so in this holiday. So much great stuff. To, oh, it's overwhelming. I mean, last holiday, it was like, buy a PS4 with Spider-Man for 200 bucks. Like, oh God, this fall yeah. is going to be amazing for yeah. that. Um, yeah, that's going to clean up. This, so, I think NPD is going to be really fascinating yeah, this fall. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting year. And obviously... Uh, we're not expecting the PS5 alleged leaked V version to come out and be the mass-produced version, but I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they made a special edition yeah. V-shaped console. And I say this towards the end of every generation, but I really, really love this part where everyone lies. <laughs> nowadays, they make like 3D-printed stuff, and they take photos of it in the wild. Remember that the, Nintendo Switch controller? That yeah, was like the, an oval? the mirror sort yeah. of thing, and people were like, by the way of the reflection of the window, <laughs> I can tell it was fake. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a very strange but fun time to be talking about all this stuff and obviously yeah, in the carefully. months to come uh, we'll be talking a lot but yeah do you guys think it's going to be a 5 or a V Roman numeral oh. we've never gotten a Roman numeral PlayStation number it doesn't make any sense but at the same time it kind of looks like a PlayStation S if you write it with that it would look like well, a 5 yeah. is just not a particularly like attractive number it looks kind of silly why I don't know. It's just like you think you think What's about all the you? other numbers. It's like it's hard to sort of make that look good. It's kind of a frumpy number. Yeah, it's kind of a frumpy number. We're it's actually like, publishing. Oh, we're publishing five. the top ten most attractive numbers on. Why don't you start with this again? To follow your top ten numbers list. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the sexiest. If, if anyone number. listening or watching would like to um, tweet at me how you could make the number five look good, please. I think do. three is a very. Sexy I think you need to stop tweet. objectifying values. 
Three kind of looks like the butt or the boobs or the bulls. Three is a se- <laughs> three is a sexy number, whether it's like that or like the the Roman one. Tweet your best number <laughs> five uh, sexy fan art to Lucy and at Lucy O'Brien on Twitter uh, and to Max Make O'Brien. It filthy. Just send other numbers that are sexy. GTA V. That is one of the best selling mm. games of all time. Mm. Great logo. I'm, I think I'm with you guys. Battlefield V. Also used the thing is, no one calls it. No one calls it V, though. That's the thing. That's why I don't think that they're going to go with the V because it's like no one's going to say the PlayStation V. It's true. Have you ever seen that movie Five for Vendetta? (laughs) (laughs) The world is an incredible place, but some places have more than their fair share of incredibleness, like Twitch, where a 16-year-old can play Fortnite and walk home with three million dollars. Or a pizza man can deliver a half pepperoni, half mushroom, as 70,000 people watch. It's a place where you can find rappers freestyling around the clock. Bob Ross painting happy little clouds and trees. Pro football players on the field and going full royale on the battlefield. Even goldfish in their bowls playing Street Fighter. And it's all just another day on Twitch. The place where you... And the people all over the earth, just like you, are on there doing all the stuff you're into and doing it all together. So, if you're into gaming, live sports, karaoke, and endless possibilities, you're already one of us. Join in live at twitch.tv. Twitch. Anyway, moving on, that's pretty much all we're talking about in News Crunch this week because there's not a, a bunch else to talk about. Uh, instead of hypothesizing about a console a year out, which we'll do plenty in the weeks to come, I did want to talk about a game coming out in just under a month. No, it's not Death Stranding. We'll be talking about that eventually, don't you worry. But we are going to be talking about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order because Max, you didn't get to play it, but Brian, you did. Thanks I'm tired. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. <laughs> I'm just real tired. Uh, Brian, you got to play three hours. I did, yeah. I was Fallen at Order. a preview of it in Anaheim last week. Um, I played three full hours of this game, which is, I think, a lot more than I was expecting to play. This has been a really weird and interesting game to cover because I think maybe if you had asked us two months ago, I would have told you that this game was getting delayed because we just hadn't heard anything about it. The marketing campaign for, uh, let's see, I don't know, one of the biggest video game studios in the world and one of the biggest publishers in the world and one of the biggest franchises and IPs in history coming together to create this tour de force of utter silence. (laughs) It's it's so crazy because, like, especially considering, you know, this is is a canonical story. Like, this is a a massive new entry into the Star Wars story and it's just been dead silent until now. Yeah, yeah they, it's, it's been really weird. They went dark after E3. We got a bit of it, but the most footage was seen behind closed doors. Uh, there was a Game Informer cover where, oh, we just randomly learn it's kind of a Metroidvania in a way yep. and you have your ship and can go to different planets. There were like weird drips of information and then we had this huge blowout. Uh, you have a full written preview on IGN. Uh, you and Ryan McCaffrey, who also got to see it, did a few yep. convos that are on the website, too. We got video previews on YouTube as well. Uh, just go to IGN.com or YouTube.com slash IGN, whatever. I uh, did want to start off just in a general, obviously, people can go check all that stuff out. But just give us like your general overall thoughts of those three hours. Um, my overall thoughts are incredibly positive. I think I was a little apprehensive about this. I think 
Um, I mean, there's a lot of factors going in that made me, and I think probably you in the audience, <laughs> a little wary about I don't know what you're talking about, man. I think it's been a pretty great eight or nine years for Star Wars games. They've been Especially pretty solid. Everything's ones. been great. No problems there whatsoever. As a huge story-driven Star Wars single-player video game fan, things have been... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be completely honest. Things have been... They've been really bad. Yeah. Um, that's the the best case scenario we've gotten over the last nine years, I would say, is the three-hour single-player campaign in Battlefront 2. And that's not because it's the best. That's because it's the only, only. one they didn't cancel. What are you talking about? There was that free-to-play mobile game about cards, I think, that had a campaign. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Army yeah. Battalion or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Um, no, it hasn't been great. I mean, I mean they've, they've shut down. EA has shut down all these studios. They're the the sort of like pay to win loot crate microtransaction nonsense have, has gone in and out of every one of these games. Uh, I don't feel like their handling of this franchise or this license has been wonderful, really. Um, although I think that like if you like you know uh, piloting ships and you love like troopers on the ground blasting each other, Battlefront and Battlefront Two have done a pretty strong, serviceable job of keeping that fight going. But I've always been a single player guy and mm -hmm. there's been something missing. And I sat down to play this game and I was like, I honestly don't know why they've kept this a secret because this is really, really good. Um, it just almost immediately surprised me in every direction at how much bigger and more interesting it was. And I think that it was letting on to be or mm -hmm. that I was expecting it to be. Um, I was basically given the opportunity to go to any of four planets from my my main ship, and in your main ship you have this sort of like ragtag crew that you hang out with, and they're oh great. they're ragtag yeah they're oh, <laughs> sorry oh. I can't say that <laughs> oh. for those who don't know that was the uh, code name for a cancel another canceled Star Wars sorry movie. Amy uh, anyway but yeah so you can go from your ship to any of the four planets yeah. it's like choose your own which way you want to go right? yeah and there's it's... like 13, 13 different things you can do in the God game God damn it. No, I'm just um, no, uh, so a lot. Of, I have a feeling a lot of those canceled Star Wars games had assets and ideas that ultimately funneled into Filter, this. Because yeah. this game has to sort of break it down. It has some kind of a little bit of uncharted Tomb Raider y wall climbing, you know, sliding down ice and stuff like that. All that fun, rope swing and all that fun stuff. Um, but it's got a lot more sort of Metroidvania. And the thing is, I, I couldn't really land on. We don't really have a term for this i think it's kind of wide linear it's not open world it's open ish it's something that like tomb raider had sections of this god of war had sections of this where uh you basically were funneled through story beats and and sort of more linear environments that then opened up into larger areas that you could kind of just mess around in and so i was given an opportunity to jump to four different planets and they didn't tell me don't go to any of them they said go to whatever ones you want but if you go to this one you're gonna get your ass kicked okay. but you can try it which to me is like somebody who loves Bloodborne. I was like, ooh, I want to go to the scary one. But then I was like, you know what? I'll stick to the I'll stick to the script here. I'll go to the main one, which I believe is Dathomir for now. And um, it was uh, this basically big open environment that had a lot of kind of like um, I would say like Bloodborne style shortcutting, which which I love. Yeah, and is it is is it sort of as clever because? Yes. That's what I adore so much about the Souls um, Bloodborne shortcuts is like, yep. 
Oh, okay. I see how it all interconnects now. And like I've completely got this sort of map memorized in my head because of how clever it is. That's exactly it. It has a lot of those like kind of aha moments yeah. where like you get to a door, you go to open it, it doesn't open, you're frustrated, and you make your way all around through this level and you do all this stuff and you open the door and it opens back up and you're like, oh, it's the beginning of the level. Mm. And so there's no fast travel within the actual planets itself, uh, but they are sort of vast and interconnected in the same way something like Metroid Prime is. And so even pulling up your map is Super Metroid Prime. They've actually been pretty straightforward about how that's a big influence for them. And it's got that sort of like blue wireframe, like, which actually totally fits with Star Wars. You know, it's obviously what the original arcade game looked like. And you can spin the map around and it will show you uh, secret areas you haven't been to yet and doors that you can push open and break open. And so Cal is basically your, uh, your protagonist and he is learning force moves basically through flashbacks mm -hmm. and kind of retrieving his Padawan training in his head that I guess he either suppressed because... Getting his GED. Yeah, kind of. And I think that like he... He, he remembers stuff that he did as a kid. And so you'll flash back to, po to points where he's like training with these, like sort of this Morpheus style character who's throwing, you know, giant balls at him and he's pushing them back <laughs> with the force. And then it comes back to you in modern times and you're like, oh yeah, like I guess I forgot I learned. All that bull <laughs> you know? training. It's like, oh, I yeah. learned French when I was a kid, but I forgot about <laughs> it. It's all coming back to me. Um, so you start doing stuff like that. And it's really cool because it makes. Um, it makes your interaction with the world a lot more interesting than something like Uncharted, which I'd say is like pretty linear. Like there's there's not a lot of backtracking in the Uncharted games. It's pretty much oh, it pushes yeah. you forward. Yeah, 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 very aggressively no, in, yeah. in a good way. I mean, I love Uncharted, but it's a different kind of game. Totally. Yeah. There's totally. a there's a big thing right now about people comparing Marvel movies to theme parks, but like straight up Uncharted games are like theme park rides. Mm -hmm. Like they produce environments yep. and like so much of the best parts of Star Wars are having these environments that you're like, I want to explore. I would like, there's clearly a world here. Like since the first movie that that's always, always been like a very lived in universe. Yeah. And so many of the games are like, they kind of miss that point. And how do you, it's hard to do that with open world. So hearing that they're taking this approach is such like a perfect kind of balance of like. Yeah. And you know? I actually appreciate it a lot because it gives me a reason to want to go back to planets and open up places that I haven't explored yet. Mm. And by doing that, you get uh, force points, which you can either find or you can basically build up by killing enemies. And it's straight up got those those like Dark Souls like uh, things that you know the the campfires that you can sit down and pray at the bonfires. So yep. like um, I wanted to ask you about those because I read your preview; it was very good. Um, like when you do you respawn at those? Yes. Yeah, so you respawn at those, and also all of the enemies respawn. Oh, so they do? Yeah, and when you die, it actually has a button that says respawn, and it's developed by respawn. It's very on the nose, but I sort of <laughs> did. Um, and so, yeah, they, they all respawn, and you can go back uh, and basically grind and kill them all over again. Right. And so I found, like, the combat was, like, pretty interesting, when you're fighting just one on one, but when they start throwing a bunch of different enemies at you, it actually starts to get really fun. Um, and so I had a situation where I'm fighting like three stormtroopers in the ground, and then these two giant horrible rats popped out of the back and started like eating one of the stormtroopers' legs. <laughs> and then up on the hill are there was a stormtrooper sniper, and there was another dude with a rocket launcher. And every time I was like, I have a perfect understanding of how to take down this 
this group of people, rocket launcher ass on the, on the hill would just like rocket me and one hit me from a distance. And so the cool thing about this is it's different than Dark Souls is that you can change the difficulty at any given moment. So if you're like, this is too easy for me, you can, you can change that. If you're getting your butt kicked, you can change that. Um, we had that big debate about difficulty in FromSoft games. And these guys just went in and they're like, well, yeah, you, if you want to play it on easy, you can. And if you want to play it on hard, you can. You can change it. And this is uh, creative director's Stig Asmussen worked yeah. on the first three God of War games. Yeah. So he's got some background in making yep. games that scale well. Yeah, he has a really like he has a really awesome sort of like action game pedigree, which I think lends itself well to this. Uh, a lot of the sort of kills that you can pull off um, using your lightsaber are really awesome. And I found myself towards the end of the demo um, mixing in a good like basically I would use the force to hold one enemy back. Uh, and he would freeze him in place, and then I would start fighting somebody else, and that would give me a chance to sort of like catch my bearings and take on the next wave of people. And so the only thing that's kind of a bummer is that you can't decapitate people or cut off their limbs. You can only do that with droids and aliens, right. which seems like a little weird to be like. Kind of sounds like a Disney call to me. Yeah. I wonder if that's the way I, that is. You know what? I'm going to, I, I want to say that predates that. I think Lucas was like. Pretty straightforward. I mean, there's obviously like people getting chopped up in like Revenge of the Sith and stuff, but like you also see a droid army being the main threat and, yep. and clones who are sort of like, oh, they just get blasted, you know? Yeah. So I mean, I, I think it's a, that's an interesting it's an interesting debate that's happening right now. I noticed that's like that's honestly one of the biggest conversations happening around this game is mm. that people are like more excited for it than they thought they'd be, but they're disappointed about that one aspect of it. I don't really think it's a deal breaker for me. The thing about this is that like, it's a violent game. Like you actually, you'll grab stormtroopers by the throat and then stab a lightsaber through their, their chest. You don't see blood and you, it doesn't like cauterize it's, anything, it's but it cauterizes the wound. You just can't cut people in. Half. Yeah. 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 But I, I it, whatever it is what it is. I understand why it's, people are upset. It's such but. a weird like argument. And I've like definitely like trudged through some comments to be like, what, what are the arguments? Like, who's angry about it? And there was like a version of Jedi Academy that had like a cheat code that allowed dismemberment. Yeah. But even then it didn't have any blood because like that was still a T-rated game. There has never been an M-rated Star Wars game to my knowledge. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm, pr I'm pretty sure that's never happened because it's always been sort of a sort of a family-friendly well, concept. Mean, Star Wars has always been for 12 -year -olds. a family-friendly universe and I don't see anyone deviating from that anytime soon. It's true. I just have a... Um, Quick question, because you sort of talked about how like there were some similarities to the Souls series, similarities to God of War insofar as it's like, um, what are we calling it, wide, wide linear? linear? Yeah, um, open-ish. <laughs> what, I, what I liked um, hearing about that and, and what intrigues me is, is it kind of like in God of War and the Souls games where if you kind of go off the beaten path a little bit, you'll like stumble across an enemy that's maybe way more advanced than you can handle at the time, and it's also kind of like a breathtaking yep. kind of like, oh, okay, okay, got a bit of back, back away and like come back and tackle that um, in a more prepared way. But it, in that regard, it also makes that world feel way more like it always existed. Yep. And, yep. you know, you just happen to be there rather than the world catering to you. I, yeah, I saw a little bit of that, and I really hope we see a lot more of that because that's honestly one of my favorite things in Bloodborne is on that first street with 40 dudes. Before you get to that street, there's that alleyway with that one, like, sledgehammer. Oh. We Husky all know that yeah. opening. We all know that opening of Bloodborne so well right? because we all played it like 
45 yeah, times. And all of us were like, I can take this guy. And yeah. none of us could. Yeah. I mean, except for like, you know, some some streamers out there who are like the best players in the world. But uh, there was there, there was like, I, I there was a little bit of that. And I really hope there's a lot more of that. Mm. What was interesting about the planet that I went, I went on is that it had essentially an entire Zelda dungeon in the basement of it. Like there was all this stuff where I was like moving these gigantic spheres using the force. Um, and I had to do it with three different ones. And they're basically, it was, it felt, like incredibly Tomb Raider, like when you're playing those really smart tombs that mm. sort of just start to click yep. and they open up all these doors and hallways. And by doing that, I opened up this entire, like what felt like an optional area underneath that had a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Mm. And I didn't even scratch the surface. Like I thought in three hours I'd be able to 100% this planet and I didn't. So I'd imagine it's gonna take about four or five hours to do each planet, maybe, maybe more than that. And there's four planets. So you're looking at a pretty meaty game to 100%. There are four planets total, is that confirmed or is it? So far, yeah. Okay. If there's a fifth, maybe we don't know yet, but we, we do know about four. And so you can go back to your ship at any point and hop to any of them. Mm. And I saw like a cool side quest with your dude Greasy, who's like this four-armed, like weasel monkey rat man, <laughs> very Star Wars. And he's got this like kind of Danny DeVito voice and he's like, hey, go out there and get me some stuff, will you? Uh, he's great. And so he's got these like weird plants on his ship. And Does he's he smoke? Like, he looks like he eats <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> and he sounds like he eats cigarettes. But he has, a, he's sort of like this like, he's got like a botany side quest okay. where you can go to these different planets and find seeds and then grow them aboard your ship. And it's sort of to preserve the wildlife around because it's not just about like the empire is destroying everything they're also wrecking this this game's out in a month it's like i keep saying it's bigger than i thought it would be it's more fun than i thought it'd be um i love that you're getting a sense of what the game actually is because yeah it's yeah. been one of those like i've been cautiously optimistic about this game mm -hmm. and want it to be great but it's been so strange that they've hidden it yeah um after playing all that i know you mentioned sort of like the concerns over the way the lightsabers would work with people was there any, anything else since you know your preview coverage has been out have you noticed any other like concerns people may have had or any concerns that you had after playing I mean, the, the number one concern is ea the yeah. number one concern is people being like i even wrote it in my preview i'm like what they mccaffrey and i in our combo we were like they, it, they haven't canceled this game yet <laughs> they still might i mean it just went gold but you never know <laughs> which by the way when a game goes goes gold you know that's basically like just so they can print discs like we could all be playing that game digitally right now going gold is a much different thing yeah, these days it's very different it nowadays be, yeah. but um it's uh, for those physical collectors but no it's it's people apprehensive that ea is going to at the finish line just sort of like it up. It riddle this thing with pay to win microtransactions which, loot boxes. which we know i mean surely not that was such a debacle for for EA. Yeah, well, like it's, it's been part of their marketing campaign for this game. Yeah, well, like no, 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 no. Yeah, respawn from the start, and I've interviewed these guys a bunch leading up to this. Have just been over and over hammering this thing that they are not doing anything like that. Mm. I have a feeling if they do add single player DLC at some point, that'll be like a story driven thing. But I even asked, I asked Stig early on. I was like, was did you guys ever write the word multiplayer down on a whiteboard anywhere? And he was like, no, like, this is not about that. This is not about like mm -hmm. being better than your, this is a story driven game. This is a canonical story. Sometimes like awesome things like this can be born out of terrible, terrible mistakes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think so. I mean, I had this misconception with this game from day one. Like I think my expectations were initially pretty low just in the basis that like, they're like, yeah, respawn is making a star Wars game with the God of war guy. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's the company that made Titanfall, which is a multiplayer game, making a combat based game 
in a series that, I mean, God of War again is like, is the originals are like fairly, fairly linear. You kind of stick to one path. Uh, and even going into this, I just was, I, when he told us at E3, like point blank, like this is a Metroidvania, I was like, oh, that's, I have a hard time believing that. And like, that was after playing the Titanfall 2 campaign, which I loved. Yeah. But again, even that was fairly straightforward. It was and pretty like, linear. Yeah. The whole thing is like, I just want to explore the Star Wars galaxy. Like I want to, yeah. I want to jump around in that world and have like a reason to backtrack a little bit and, you know, find little nooks and crannies and collect things and mm-hmm. really just, not, you know, not just be sort of on a ride through that world. I want to like, you want to explore. Yeah, I want to hang well, I out think, there. I think that like the RPG elements, the sort of Dark Soulsy like, pray at the bonfire, respawn enemies, and beat them up and grind to get skill points um, is inherently something that lends itself to kind of like hanging out in a world for a long time, you know, instead of, the, of rushing yeah. through I it. I want to fight those rats. Yeah. Some I mean, of the things can. that you said in your preview really excited me um, because, yeah, I am way more invested than in the world building, I suppose, uh, than the action. The action is... is it's great, but like for me, I'm just really intrigued to uh, explore a universe that is very cohesively Star Wars. And one of the uh, things that you said in your preview that like got me really fired up was that there's a kitchen in your ship yeah. where you can just like hang out and like there's all like Star Wars food. Yeah, like there's there. just like, <laughs> like, like icky dragon fruits and like goop. Yeah, <laughs> and I love that. Like it's little, it's little things like that that really make a, a, yeah. a video game world. Um, yeah, no, I re- I really dig all that. There's yeah. also like I found like lightsaber parts and like there's going to be a customization element to it. Like I found this weird diagonal poncho that's very Mandalorian and mm-hmm. it's like you can wear it on your character. I got a I got a, a skin for my droid. Like I think a lot of that gets lost. Again, I love Uncharted, mm-hmm. but I and I've said this so many times in the show. One of the things I don't like about those games is that you have no connection with your weapon. Nathan Drake just picks up guns and drops guns and picks up drum- and there's no like you don't build on them. And the thing I do like about stuff like God of War and Tomb Raider is that you have weapons, especially God of War, right? You have that axe and you can upgrade it and you can- There's a sense of ownership. Things. Yeah. And so- you're, It's your thing. I think having Cal's lightsaber be this thing that kind of grows along with your journey, a, 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 along with you learning force moves through the skill tree, um, is going to make it for a really like fun, interesting thing that you're going to want to spend some time in. So- yeah, I'm all for this game. But what if for just 99 cents more you could get a new droid skin? That's true. Uh, but before we jump off from that, I do want to ask just as we head into the end of the year, it's been a strange year where I think a lot of us all have, I think if I asked each person at this table to name like your current game of the year prospect, there might be a, cu- a little bit of overlap, but like top three or top five may be wildly different this year for a lot of people. Uh, how are you feeling going into this game now that you've seen a few more hours? Do you feel like it may be something we'll be having conversations about at the end of the year? Yeah, with yeah, this game? I, I think it absolutely will. Um, I couldn't tell you right now like what we would give it score-wise. Sure, yeah. I'd be floored if it dropped below an eight because it seems like it's doing all the right things right now. Um, but that said, you know, things could change. Maybe the back half of it's terrible or amazing. Who knows? Um, but I, I will say that it is sort of like scratching that itch that I was missing this year, which is like a big single player story driven video game. Like I think Sekiro came close. Resident Evil 2 was awesome, but also very familiar, you know, something I'd kind of already experienced already. Um, and this feels, this feels kind of like it's kind of going to be like this year's God of War for me. Oh, that's cool. Obviously, yeah. with with, with pro- I don't think the story will make me cry like that game <laughs> did, but 
Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think it'll be up there. I don't know. Star Wars makes you cry a lot. It does. That's true. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It's it's a weird time. Like we we just got tickets for Rise of the Skywalker. We're both huge big Star Wars dorks. Mandalorian literally looks like the most tailor made for me thing ever, and my Star Wars hype has like never been lower. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping that whichever one of these things I come across first, I like wind up being like, oh, there it is. There's those feelings, and just you know, if it's Christmas break and I'm you know fighting rats on Dathomir with a lightsaber, then that would be kind of cool. I kind of went into this fall being like, oh, I'm you know I'm no pun intended lukewarm about a lot of the Star Wars stuff, but I think it's going to be cool. To being like, oh, individually, I actually really I love the new movie trailer. Mandalorian looks awesome. Everything I played from this game is really good. Um, this could be actually a pretty fun couple of months for Star Wars fans. Yeah. yeah. It's very exciting to see. And after all the weird quietness, I'm glad that they let you guys see so much. And it sounds pretty great. Yep. Um, that game comes out November 15th, though, given it's EA. There may be one of those weird EA origin access oh, five-day yeah. early two-hour bonus things you can do. What is a launch day anymore? Uh, yeah, it, all of it's fake. But... We'll be playing it very soon, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, before we keep going, question for you guys. How, how are we doing on time for all of you? Does anyone have a, a meeting they must attend? All right. Do this. i got to go shoot the thing in a minute, but we'll be okay. Yeah, we'll be okay. I can hold off. I have some viewer questions. We can hold those maybe for like a viewer question episode down the road. What do you guys want to do? I'm just freeballing right now. I'm here Fine. for you. Let's uh, jump into... These three viewer questions that I brought. Uh, these are our viewer and listener questions from Twitter. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. We'll definitely use some more of those in the weeks to come. First one is from at Tvokio, or T-I-V-O-K-I-O. Uh, which video game, you can answer any of these, which video game has your favorite title screen music or which is your favorite video game OST of all time? Uh, this person said, my favorite title screen is Oblivion. I'll never forget how hyped I was the first time I heard that fanfare. For me, it's uh, Final Fantasy VII. Title screen music. Okay. Burned into my brain. Yeah. And whenever I hear it, it's like, you know, that incredible nostalgia, like, <gasps> like, yeah, I, that's the noise I make every time, actually. I think, I think there's like something really hauntingly beautiful about The Last of Us's title screen. Um, the music is not really anything like to write home about because it's, I think it's kind of non existent, but there's this like, this weird, sort of windowsill with sun coming in, but it's also sort of haunting. Oh, yeah. Which I really love. Yeah. God, I remember that. And the yeah. little, the, the way the little things like catch the light. Yeah, yeah. light particles mm. like flickering. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I think my favorite OST across any video game series would be Silent Hill. Okay. I just think that is a weird, weird, <laughs> weird OST. Like, yeah. oh, but it's so, so, it's like so clangy and haunting, which is like the best way I can describe that series as a whole. Like it's very jarring, but yeah. it's also very terrifying. Oh, the the Bloodborne title screen is amazing because yeah. it's just it's the hunter staring off into the nightmare world while like swelling orchestral stabs <laughs> dip in and out. Like it is it's it's creepy as hell and it makes it makes me want to go kick some ass and die a lot. Yeah. God, I'm trying to think like uh title screens that I've left up long enough that I haven't mind. I want to say Skyrim. Just I trying to remember if that has like the whole isn't right. it just monks like? Oh, oh, yeah. Is it okay? Oh. Then I don't like that. I, I, yeah, like, good, I, pre I, I presume that every <laughs> the Skyrim score Skyrim. Is, is is pretty pretty kick ass with the, all the dragon shouting and nonsense. Um, that's like one of those. I mean, I played so much of that game that like that you know you can like hear cues of it. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, I have the same attachment to Final Fantasy VII, but like I never beat that game. I just was over at my friend's house while he was playing it constantly. So that's like kind of etched into my nostalgia yeah. too. Where I'm like, I'd be in the corner like drawing in my sketchbook, and he'd be like. I'm playing, yeah. playing that. Uh, 
I guess like the the Metal Gear Solid title screen is pretty good. It's got this kind of like I can hear it. Yeah, yeah. The, and then if you hit the triggers, it makes gunshot noises yeah. for some reason. Oh, that's great. The the two title screens for me, uh, I mean, all title screens should do that. Uh, the two title screens for me that stand out the most, uh, to be very on brand, uh, Kingdom Hearts. But it's like, I think part of my love of that game is how nostalgic I am for the piano line that plays on the main intro screens. It's called Dearly Beloved. I just, it's a really good piece of music. Uh, and so I love that even though the title screen is just very simplistic. Um, and then also crash bandicoot. Cause that theme is etched into my brain yeah. is like the immediate, like the ramp up of sort kind of, of all stressful. The, the crash yeah, bandicoot. It's, like, it, like oh, comes right, in right, real fine, I'll play you. I'll yeah. play you. And it's like, you gotta go. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, those two for me really stick out. Moving on from that one. Uh, Kokiri, the kid asked what's in Max's pocket. Oh, I got a good one for you. Ooh. I actually did not plan this my pocket already <laughs> when I came to work. Okay, it's a golden 3D printed pig oh. that the legs broke off of because I'm bad at 3D printing. That is so and it's on got, brand. It's actually so a specific on. pig. I don't know if you've seen the pig poop balls picture. Yes. The famous picture of the pig that poops on its own balls. Well, I 3D printed <laughs> that. Did you find a plan for him online? I found a, a 3D model of a pig and then using the, the spheres and the cylinder shapes, I added the balls and the poop myself. What program? It's a website called Tinkercad. Okay. I just went on there, started tinkering around with some CAD files, and this now is I'm like the. I'm sorry, this is the most on-brand thing that could ever be in your pocket. <laughs> the golden like, heart. It's amazing. You can't beat this. Like this is all time. Like what's in Max's pocket? It's the, it's a 3D printed pig <laughs> with giant balls and some like. And this poo. wasn't planned. That is when amazing. you showed me that this morning. You didn't tell me about the balls. You didn't look at you the balls. You didn't look at the giant the first, balls. That's how you know if it's a sow or a hog, my friend. Get those out of my face. <laughs> I'm going to make sure they're directly in your face. Um, this is my rose gold controller. <laughs> thank you, everyone, who wrote in with uh, your questions. We'll answer some uh, in the weeks to come. I'm going to hold off on a new segment for next week just because we're a little short on time, uh, but we will get into that very soon. I do want to wrap up with a memory card, so I'm going to find that music. So I'm going to play it one more time. <laughs> There we go. Every Anyway, Memory Card is our weekly segment where you, the listeners and viewers at home, write in with your funny, sad, happy, weird, whatever memories of your PlayStation and gaming life, and we read those on the show each week. If you'd like to write in your story, and please do, uh, we're starting to run a little bit lower than we once were on stories, so please write in if you have one to share. You can write into beyond at IGN.com with the subject line Memory Card, and we'll read them each week on the show. Uh, but this week's story comes from Ryan. Ryan said, hey, Jonathan and the Beyond crew, I hope this is okay, but my Memory Card starts... Well before the PlayStation era, and I'm counting it because I thought it was a sweet story. In my experience, video games have been generational. I started playing games on the NES with my grandparents and my youngest uncle. We could never beat Super Mario Bros. 3, but we had the first few levels memorized very soon. There was even one night I spent the night at my grandparents' house, and I stayed up at night playing a season of Tecmo Super Bowl with my uncle as the Buffalo Bills, only to lose in the Super Bowl to the New York Giants, which happens to be the same year that happened, ironically enough. That same game and other sports games were what helped uh, me bond with my stepdad after my parents split and my mom remarried. I played games like Streets of Rage with my brother and dad on weekends when we visited with him. This eventually brought us to the PS1 where my dad got Diablo, and that was the only game he played for many years, maxing out every playable character. 
He doesn't play games anymore, but a couple years ago I showed him The Witcher 3 and it piqued his interest. But he said he wouldn't want it because he knew he would get sucked in and not do anything else. Now I'm a single father who also sees his son on the weekends, and while I do take my, my son outside and play catch and take him to the beach and uh, other outdoors stuff, we also like to stay in and play video games. Fortnite is his current favorite, and I'm so thankful for crossplay so that he can play on the Switch while I play on the PS4. He's also really gotten into fighting games lately, so games like Injustice 2 and Tekken 7 have brought us joy and frustration. He's seven years old and has a few online wins under his belt. Uh, video games have kept us connected, and I only hope this for entertainment can continue to help us grow together. P.S. Max, you're a great host. Don't let anyone tell you differently. And I agree. Aww. Aww. Anyway, Ryan, thank you so much for writing in and telling us the story of your life and your family's history with gaming. We really appreciate it. If you want to write in with your family's history uh, or anything else you have funny, weird, or happy or sad or whatnot yeah. to tell us. Yes. I have a request for Ryan. Ryan, if you're listening, can you have your, uh, your son explain the plot of Tekken 7? I'll happily take that in. Please write in Ryan to beyond at IGN.com and explain the plot of Tekken 7. Is it know, weird? I don't know if the creator of Tekken... Who are these pandas and tigers? What are they doing out there? <laughs> what are they, they're just they're kicking fighting. ass. What are they, yeah, why are they kicking each other's asses so there's, much? There's so why many not? of the A words I have to bleep. You have to bleep the A word? I might. Bleep the you A word? Don't the A word? No, no, you don't. I don't know. An ass is a donkey. You don't mean it that way. Anyway, moving on. Thank you so much for writing in. Again, beyond at IGN.com with your memory card stories. Want to wrap up very quickly because we haven't done it in a few weeks with a trophy test. Yeah. This week's trophy test is trophies based on Medieval, which comes out this week. Huh. Um, I've got this one in the bag. Comes out the 25th. Uh, you know, I platinum that this weekend. Oh, really? No. Well, let's see if you know these trophies. Uh, for those who don't know tr trophy test, I have come up with one fake title for a trophy, and I will read the description of the trophy and then give my wonderful co-hosts the real and fake title in a random order. They must tell me which is the real trophy title. And we will begin as I write down your initials. The first trophy, defeat 30 enemies with the sword spin attack. Is that Dizzy Decimator or Spinning Slayer? Defeat 30 enemies with the sword spin attack. Spinning Slayer. Spinning Slayer. Dizzy Decimator. Lucy, you are correct. It is Dizzy Decimator. Okay. Well, now I know where these are going. They're all they're <laughs> verbose and wordy and unnecessarily cornball. So let's rock. All right. Die seven, seven different ways. Is Ooh. that Deathly Smorgasbord or Deathly Buffet? Deathly Smorgasbord. Deathly Buffet. I'm also going to go with Deathly Buffet. Brian, you correct. You are correct. It is Deadly Smorgasbord. All right. Moving on to trophy number three. Kill something with your own arm. <laughs> That's like every video game. Mostly armless or lend a hand. Oh. <laughs> it's just like one is... That's where they got us. <laughs> one is really good and one is dumb. And it's like, okay. Lend a hand. You say it's lend a hand? Yeah. Okay. Lucy. Handleton. I'm going to try and trick you. I almost said the exact same thing. What the hell is wrong with this? Mostly Hang armless. <laughs> mostly armless? Mostly armless. Max, I'm sorry. It is not Linda Hand. Yes. It is mostly armless. Don't ever apologize to me again. <laughs> it did give us Linda Hamilton or whatever you just said. <laughs> that was worth it. Uh, moving on to trophy number four. The current rankings are Brian and Lucy, you have two points. Max, you have zero. Sorry. Moving on to uh, trophy number four. Destroy 100 gravestones. Shocking <laughs> lack of respect or can't rest in peace? <laughs> Shocking lack of respect. Uh, I like that one. I like that one, so I'm just going to go with it even if it's wrong. Me too. You're all correct. Yay! Cool. I'm finally, I have a point. <laughs> uh, moving on to the fifth. I have six in total. Number five. Drink 32 health vials. Partaker of the potions or partial to the potions? Partaker. 
Partial. Partial. Brian, I'm sorry. It is partial to the potions. Jonathan, I hate you. That's, that's not true. What else is new? Hey. Uh, I'm kidding. Anyway, moving on to the final trophy. Lucy, you have four points. Brian, you have three. Max, you have two. Max, you can tie it for second place. Okay. The final trophy is Kill the Serpent of Gallomir. Is it If It Slithers, I Slays? I didn't <laughs> say that. If It Slithers, I Slays. Or If It Hits, if, excuse me, If It Hisses, I Hits It. I didn't want to mispronounce either of these. A Slither Slayer. Slither Slays. Hits and hiss. Max and Lucy, you're correct. Damn. Yes. Slays. And I, I knew they were. The scores. You yeah, made yeah, the, the winner. One? I made up if I hisses. It's really bad. Thank you. But I fell for it. That's what I tried. Uh, Lucy, you won the gold trophy this week. Thank you. Max and Brian, you have uh, settled both for a silver trophy in second right. place. Congratulations to you all. We'll tally up we all the votes. We call that Kiwi gold. Do we? I've made that joke so many times, and it's very yeah, specific to the Southern Hemisphere. Kiwi Rose Gold. Uh, thank you all so much for playing. I hope you enjoyed playing along at home. Of course, uh, this is IGN's weekly PlayStation show. We're going to wrap it up there. Episode 612 of Podcast Beyond. When we are not recording the show, we are, of course, on IGN.com, YouTube.com, slash IGN, and all of IGN's social platforms. So please check out everything we've been making and doing. Uh, do you guys want to highlight anything recently you've been working on? Brian, you had your Star Wars preview, of course. Yeah, go check all that Fallen Order stuff I did. Um, please check out our revamped top 100 best games of all time list because it was a process. It was. Max? Go check out the part I wrote about Metal Gear Solid on the top 100 list and hang tight for more things about stuff that we're all working on. Very true. Uh, and if you didn't heed our words last week, go watch Max and Brian's great new AI news show. Oh, yeah. uh, other than that, of course, you can find us on Twitter Brian is at Agent Bizzle. I am at J.M. Dornbush. Lucy is at Lucy O'Brien. And at Max is at Max Scoville. So many ats and as. Uh, of course, Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Please rate, like, subscribe, give the thumbs up. I don't know what you do on Spotify. But anyway, thank you all so much for listening and watching this episode. And as always, Beyond. 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 What do you think the sexy Roman, sexiest Roman numeral is? It's 30. It's, it's I. It's, it's 30. It's V. No, it's 30. Think about it. No, it's triple X. It's yeah, 30. he got it right. Yeah. What? Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.